Hello, everyone. Good morning. It's Thursday after two uh, quick and fast games for Johns Hopkins. I'm Patrick Russell, class of 89, here uh, for volume two of the We Want More podcast. Shown any adverse effects. Harrison with it. Big shot. Scores! Kyle Harrison goes high. It's over. John Hawkins has won his ninth national championship. Pete, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So, Pete, uh, quick games back to back on a Saturday and a Tuesday. Uh, we welcome Denver and Towson University. And uh, tell us, you know, what you see in these first two games very quickly and what you liked, what you didn't like. Sure. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was it was exciting to finally get out there and get this thing started. Um, you know, had a great day on Saturday afternoon, beautiful weather, lots of alums, um, good atmosphere for, you know, an early game, uh, early February game. Um, you know, things seem to be moving uh, in the right direction for the most part. We uh, we started to fall off the rails a little bit in the, in the in the fourth quarter. There, took a bunch of bad penalties, put ourselves in a tough uh, tough spot, and uh, very opportunistic, uh, very well coached and uh, and determined uh, Denver team uh, found a way to get uh, what they needed at the end, and uh, and it cost us. So I think there was a lot of learning in that one, but um, you know, we uh, we come away with that with the right mindset. I think it helps us moving forward. Um, I think if we linger on it too much, it can be uh, it can be a thorn. But um, I think the guys understood it. It humbled us, uh, I think, appropriately, um, and and really opened our eyes that uh, you know everybody's going to come after us, no matter you know where they're from or or what the history of the program is. Um, they're going to come after us hard as they can, and and we need to be smarter about about where we're putting our efforts. So, yeah. um, you know, it was it was a tough loss, but uh, I think it 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 you know, hopefully serves us in the right way. Yeah. You know, beautiful day, new turf on February, like weather, a lot of alums, a lot of fans were in attendance for a great game. And uh, it's interesting. It was almost a playoff like atmosphere. It's game one, but that fourth quarter felt like you're in the quarterfinals or the semis of an NCAA playoff game. Agreed. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that. I mean, I think that's that's one of the biggest takeaways is that we got like, you know, as many end of game scenarios as you could possibly, you know, put into a, a, a fourth quarter um, and we got them first game of the season. And I think a lot of it comes from, you know, the intensity. Um, you know, there may not be a longstanding rivalry or tradition between the two teams. We've scrimmaged in the last few years, but um you know, they got uh, a phenomenal coaching staff. It was Coach Matt Brown's first game as a head coach. And, you know, I, you know, that was a big one for those guys to, to be on Homewood for that first one. Uh, coach Metzbauer has been, 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 you know, coaching for a long time. He's got, you know, six or seven championship rings. I mean, he's as accomplished as anybody in the sport. Um, you know, that's the, and that's a new addition to their sideline. Like there was just a great intensity, um, you know, in the game. And, and I think it was felt pretty quickly and, and it was, uh, um, you know, one that really impacted, I think, how the the, the game went down the stretch because there was a lot of emotion and there was a lot of, uh, you know, energy around it. And, uh, you know, that's where I think we need to learn how to channel it the right way. Sure. And if we peel back the onion a little bit, just quick question. What did you learn? <clears throat> Number one, what did you learn defensively about that game? 
that you mm -hmm. you know you need to tweak or you would have changed? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I mean, the, the probably the most important takeaway is we got to stay out of the penalty box, right? Because um, we were playing pretty well, and then we started taking a few penalties. You know, it it, it began with the end of the third quarter where, you know, we had like a 30 second possession and we were just trying to hold it for the last shot. And, you know, we make a sloppy exchange, we lose focus, and then we end up fouling um, as the time expires. So instead of getting the last shot in the third quarter, we turn the ball over and start the fourth quarter man down. Um, and then it just kind of went from there. And so uh, I, I think, you know, the, the, the style and the system that coach, coach K teaches you know, really requires those guys to have maximum focus on what we're doing because they have to be on the same page. You know, it's a pretty aggressive uh, way to play. You know, they're trying to they're trying to, you know, uh, push out. They're trying to challenge uh, an offense to to find the right seam, to find the right uh, opening. And, and when it's not there, they run themselves into trouble. And, um, you know, sometimes it, it just, you know, if that timing's a little off, it, it gives the uh, the other team a few openings that we don't want to give. And, you know, more importantly, we just need to stay disciplined and control our motions. Right. Understood. And then on the offensive end, um, you know, if you have any thoughts on the offensive end, I know EMO, I think, went 0 for 3. I know that Coach Kelly, the minute he walked off that field, was breaking down film, and he's in his video room. Um, you know, what did you see on your man up offensively that you might need to change, or what went wrong? Uh, I offensively found a little bit of a rhythm in the first half, which I thought was pretty good. I thought the second half, you know, partly because we weren't, having a ton of possessions when we were, you know, on man down or we were having to kill some clock. Um, you know, we, we need a little bit more experience how to, how to play uh, a longer shot clock, but not just sit on the ball. You know, we need to keep working, just be, you know, a bit more disciplined in, in the shot selection. Um, you know, the man up went over three, two of those man ups we scored on the ensuing possession as soon as the penalty released. So I thought some of that where there was a value in, in being patient and making sure we're not, you know, taking that shot with 29 seconds left, uh, or excuse me, when the you right. know, one second left in the in the penalty clock, because you know it, at the end of the day they release it, we still have 30 more seconds of offense. So, um, you know, truth be told, we need to be a little bit more efficient in how we're moving the ball and 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 continuing to handle those situations down the stretch. I think it would have been a little right. better for us in man up if if we'd have found one. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, you know we had a couple opportunities in the fourth quarter. Um, we could have probably played uh, a little bit sharper and a little bit smarter and, and those turnovers cost us. But, uh, you know, like I said, game one and, and a lot right. of learning. Right. Well, as I said, it had a playoff type atmosphere in that fourth quarter. You hope that that serves you well later on in the season. Right. I, th I, mean, I think it will. I mean, that's 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 the hope. You know, if if, if you're not uh, if you're not learning from it, it's a loss. If you are, then then it serves you right. And uh, and I think. You know, not that there's a silver lining to it, but maybe we wouldn't have had the same, uh, you know, perspective looking back at it if we would have found a way to, to pull out that win. So, you know, it sticks a little bit, a little bit harder, uh, you know, that you came away with a loss. And, and I think, you know, as soon as we hit the locker room, um, it was about taking ownership and accepting that that we made mistakes. And, and you know, you need to, to, to sit in your, you know, your bad feelings for a few minutes and, and let it uh you know, let it wash over you and, and use that to motivate you going forward. And I think, uh, yeah. I think it, 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 you know, I trust this group. I trust this group and how they respond to things. Yeah. Pete, you know, with this podcast, we really like to sort of go as much as we can behind the scenes with Hopkins across. So one thing I like to note, I understand, you know, your captains took some time to speak to the team alone about, Hey, you know, this is mm -hmm. how we're going to move forward. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, we were, we they always took, meet as a they staff. They took ownership. 
Yeah, right away. We always meet as a staff uh, before we head into the locker room and just kind of collect our, our, you know, our thoughts as a group. And and then we go meet with the team and I opened the door to the locker room and the captains were up front and asked for a couple more minutes. So I closed the door and, and gave them a couple more minutes. And uh, I, I think, you know, from a coaching staff, when you have guys that, that want that and, and, you know, are always looking for that role, um, you know, that's, that's a big piece of the puzzle, you know, whether it's, it's always spot on the right message or this and that. I mean, they're still young guys and they're sorting it out and, you know, you know, we're older and we've been doing this longer, but we are, we're not going to ever have the same connection that the guys that play in the same, you know, on the same team are, you know, we're working uh, to, to be educators and to be coaches, but you know, if they want to handle things themselves, like I'd rather steer that than, than right. tell them from my perspective, what's right and wrong. If there are many things to love about this team, the leadership, the senior and graduate student leadership is definitely one of them. So we yeah, moved so three days later to Towson, you know, and a great mm -hmm. rivalry. We talked in the previous podcast about the fact that Towson is a rivalry. You know, you, you go up Charles Street to Loyola, you go further up and there's Towson. I think it was the 50th mm -hmm. game that we played. Um, I know a lot of my friends who played uh, at Towson wished that this was a Saturday night game. But, you know, with the way scheduling works now, we got it in. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Towson game. A little bit of a slow start, but we really started mm -hmm. to find our momentum, correct? Yeah, I think there was maybe some similarities from what, the way we entered that game uh, from how we came out on Saturday. And, and I don't think that's, uh, you know, completely unexpected. Um, you know, we need to keep working through things and, and settle in. Defense was a little off, uh, you know, in their timing in the first quarter. We gave up a few goals in the first few possessions. But uh, once they settled in, a couple of adjustments from Coach K, um, I think we really started to play some great defense and, uh, and, and, and slow down their productivity. But um, it's, it's a great rivalry. It's a, you know, it's a tough group coached by a Blue Jay. Um, you know, he knows the program. He knows the rivalry. He knows what it's like to play on Homewood. Those guys come in confident. They play tough. Um, they're fundamental and, and physical and, and, you know, you have to have your team prepared for that because, right. um, you know, regardless of what their record is or ours or who, who they play and, and, and whatnot, um, you know, they, they're coming after us as, as hard as they can. This is a big game uh, circled on their schedule as well. So, um, yeah. you know, guys need to be dialed in for those, uh, those ground ball battles and things like that. Yeah. Shout out to the defense, I think, for this game, because uh, I know we led in ground balls significantly and our best offense sometimes was our defense in transition. It seemed like, you know, as you watch it, you know, we're getting the ball upfield. Um, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it was, a I won't say an even first half, but uh, you know, we had our opportunities, didn't cash in a ton. I think it was six, four at halftime. Um, but uh, you know, I would say it started with Logan on the faceoffs. He was digging out some really great ground balls and, and, you know, they were, uh, not clean wins, but I think those are the ones that, that, that really value up for the team is when they see it, you know, taking some lumps and, and, you know, really running through some traffic and digging out a tough one, getting it to the offense. But the, you know, defense was creating some of those opportunities on their end as well. And, um, once we started getting that ball in transition, find some opportunities. And I think that was one of the messages to the guys, like when, when we can find that pace, um, you know, it, it's, it's tough for, for, for people to keep up with it. We just need to make sure we're, we're clean and we're not getting reckless. Right. Speaking of Logan quickly, he seems to be taking most of the faceoffs. Seems like mm -hmm. he did well against Towson. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like in previous seasons, you may have had a one or sorry, a two or three man team faceoff unit. Um, mm -hmm. but he, he's doing well. Who, yeah, who, I, who will back Logan up? 
you know, or come uh, in. Tyler Dunn is the number right. two right now. I think we have a few other options. Um, you know, you're right in the past. We've, we've kind of gone with like two or three guys and, you know, rotated or, or mix and matched. And, and I think that's still uh, in the cards. I just think, you know, Logan's kind of settling in as, as our go-to guy right now. And, um, you know, he's providing us what we need there. And, and, and sometimes that's not, um, you know, the first clamp off the whistle. Sometimes that's the counter because the other, you know, the other guy, you know, beats you off the whistle. And sometimes it's not um, necessarily the, the the clamp or the face off or the, or the counter. It's just the ground ball play afterwards and, and, and being smart and, 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 you know, spilling that ball out to the teammates and, and, you know, getting it to our offense. You know, we, we stat offensive efficiency, not just face-off wins. And so, right. you know, at the end of the day, whatever those draws turn out to be, if we get the ball on offense uh, or, you know, they win it and we turn it over and get it back, if we, you know, throw it out of bounds before we get it to our offense after we win it, you know, we're just trying to level those out so that it's it's realistic in how we, um, you know, how we, how, we, how we find the result. Great. So following up from those two games, as much as we would want to highlight you know, every player and their significant contributions. I need to bring up uh, Jacob Angelus and Hunter Chevette. Both had great games. Um, tell us a little bit about their play. I'm a angel fan <laughs> because when I watch him in person, his head is always on a pivot. Uh, I think you're his coach, but he's kind of a feed first, shoot second guy. But And Hunter has come on with two strong games. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about, you know, Angel and Hunter in their first two games. Yeah, I mean your your assessment's pretty good of Angel. Um, he's starting to get a little more aggressive to uh, to to look for the, the his own shot first before right. he just you know steps back and you know makes he's trying to make sure that they respect him. I think he's doing a good job of that. But uh, you know he's he's a big piece. He's very patient with the ball. He makes good decisions. Um, he's quick and uh, he's tough to stay with. So um, you know he 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 really helps us a, a ton um, the way he plays back there. Um, Hunter Shabet's uh, different. Um, he is a shoot first guy. He right. is not necessarily looking to feed the ball. Um, and I don't think there's any surprises. I'm not giving him any scouting reports there, but, um, he's got a, he's got a great release. He can vary it, uh, pretty well. He gets it off quick and, um, and he's looking for net. So if he, if he has his hands free, um, he's right. looking for net. And, right. uh, and, and I think it's, it's exciting to see. He's got two hat tricks and two career games yeah. playing on the second midfield. So I think that's on the watch. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good start for him so far. But, uh, you know, just got to keep him humble and keep him focused on the right things and uh, and keep growing because he's got, uh, you know, going to have a lot of challenges. People are going to start throwing the kitchen sink at him. And, and we got to keep working him to make sure he sees uh, he sees the game in stride. Right. Well, you know, the old song, anything you can do, I can do better. It seemed like a fun part of this game was you got to give props where props are deserved. J.J. Silstrop had a great game for Denver, but it was almost kind of like, well, Hunter's like, well, JJ, if you can shoot like that, I can shoot like that too. It seemed like the kind of shots that they had. And yeah, there's some similarities, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Sil- like watching- Silstrop had a heck of a game. I mean, yeah. he, he really Hunter- made some incredible plays. Hunter is like watching uh, a pro golfer on the tee and seeing a beautiful swing. So. <laughs> All right. Well, That's coach, look. Uh, in the interest of time, uh, you have Georgetown coming up uh, this weekend at Georgetown. Um, Georgetown, I think, came off a loss to Loyola, but Georgetown is Georgetown, well-coached, well-disciplined mm-hmm. team. Uh, we'll call this sort of another beltway battle, if you will, but the battle of two different beltways. The one thing I'd like to do to wrap up is uh, starting the season, as we always do, we had the smoker. Uh, the annual smoker for Johns Hopkins alumni. 
It was held Friday before the Denver game. I think we had a tremendous turnout. For all the ones that I've been to, it seemed like a pretty big number, maybe about 130 guys, some coming out of the woodwork for first time in many years. What was your thoughts about the smoker? That was so cool. I mean, it's my second time ever being a part of it. Um, you know, last year was just a, an amazing experience to 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 get the first look at it. Um, you know, really, you know, trying to beat the bushes and get everybody we can to it, just because it's such a great day to celebrate the program and history. Um, it is it is enjoyable to be around guys like that and 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 see some of the special players that have ever been here and the people that have really contributed to this program. Um, you know, there's former uh, man, team managers and stats and and former athletic director, Tom Calder. Like there's just there's a ton of guys, you know, uh, Kyle Harrison, Twarton winner, uh, a bunch of um, multiple time All-Americans, the, the the national championships. Um, it's it's kind of fun hearing hearing the guys maybe, you know, kind of jaw back and forth at, you know, trying to one up each other and things like that. I mean, it's it's you know, it's a healthy banter, but it's all uh, it's all really great experience. In addition to the review of games in this vodcast, we also want to take people a little bit behind the scenes about what makes Hopkins special, uh, what it makes what makes it special for recruits, what makes it special for alums and fans. So we wanted to talk about that. One of the speakers was Emmett McGee, uh, I believe Emmett's class of 81 or 82, but his speech was very impactful because Emmett was not a Hall of Famer, not a first team All-American, but he spoke from the heart about what it means to be a Blue Jay. And I think that, that was very impactful to the players. Yeah, I, I was really uh, I was really excited about it. You know, I talked to him briefly beforehand just to get a sense of, you know, what he was uh, planning to talk about. He had some questions about what you know kind of themes were. Uh, we're working on here but I you know I just I just trusted where he was coming from and it was it was from the heart it was you know speaking about his passion uh, for his experience at Homewood and being a Blue Jay and and how much he you know got from his his teammates and what that meant to him to be a part of this program and I think that really resonates with the guys when they hear you know those those stories and they're so sincere um, and and how they impact life after college and and after lacrosse and uh, and it was just a great thing for our guys to be a part of outstanding our MC was Brian Carcaterra the great goalie from Hopkins who's always full mm -hmm. of energy and spirit and uh, mm -hmm. we also we also handed out an award uh, which we're going to start as a new tradition at Hopkins the Jerome D. Schneidman Award many folks may know Jerry as a former All-American two-time first team All-American many consider the godfather of the face-off although he used a wooden stick back in the day uh, and Jerry was a lifetime, longtime administrator at Hopkins. So we created the Jerome D. Schneidman Award for community service, alum, lacrosse alums who do something outstanding in their community. And we awarded it to Brian Lucas, who was captain of the 92 team, uh, had two tours of duty in Iraq. And we presented it to Brian. And I thought that that was pretty special as well. There is a rich military history uh, to Hopkins across. And I think a lot of folks have learned that over the time. Yeah, uh, I thought it was, um, you know, it, it's a it's a phenomenal award recognizing an alum, the Jerome Schneidman Distinguished Alumni Award for their, you know, their impact in their community, uh, the people around them, uh, the sport of lacrosse, whatever it is, just just really representing the, uh, you know, the 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 themes and the and the 
you know, the character of this program uh, in a really special way. And, and, you know, Brian's work with Shelter to Soldier is, is, is a really profound organization and what they do. And um, I, I really just love the, the idea that they're solving kind of two of the world's problems at once, um, right. you know, some PTSD from the military and, and, and shelter animals that, uh, that need some, uh, some support in some homes. And so, uh, you know, really proud of him. He's done a lot for, for our program. He's a big part of uh, getting that military wall installation downstairs, um, you know, right by the locker room. Um, you know, he was a helicopter pilot in the Marines, just a, just a great, uh, a great blue Jay, you know, um, and, and the way he represents. So really proud of him. Outstanding. And one last item, one of your players, one of your captains, uh, we noted that yesterday, Ian Cramp, captain of the 23 team, St. Mary Saint from Annapolis, graduated from officer training school, I believe. Want to talk a little bit about Ian because there is a connection to Ian and the flags, right? That mm -hmm. we put on the back of the goals. Yeah, Ian's uh, Ian's a special guy. Um, uh, just a, a phenomenal teammate, one of the best I've coached. Um, he was commissioned yesterday as second lieutenant in the uh, U.S. Army. Uh, uh, graduated as the honor graduate of his class, which I think is a, a really distinguished honor. Um, you know, phenomenal young man. Uh, he was uh was uh the young man that before every game would put the flags um on the goals i mean that the the preseason the first game of the season the captains will um will do that in the ceremony but um since we built the wall downstairs and it's got the case for the flags we put the we put the flags back in after every game and so ian was responsible for um you know two hours before every game every home game going out and, and putting the flags back on um, it was an honor that he really uh, uh, took to heart. He was really passionate about it because of his uh, desire to to go and serve the country. And so he um, he really wanted to make sure that that was done the right way. And uh, and it thought it set a great standard for us. So we're we're proud of Ian and and his you know just getting started in his military career. I have no doubt uh, of his success. He's going to uh, make us all very proud. Great. Well, as I said, there's a tremendous military history to Blue Jay Lacrosse. We were great. It was great to honor Brian, also see um, the graduation of Ian yesterday. Mm -hmm. Pete, thank you for your time. We wish you mm -hmm. all the best against Georgetown. We'll be back next week for Volume 3, and good luck, Blue Jays. Thank you very much. Thank you, and uh, congratulations on your induction into the Loyal Blakefield Hall of Fame. I think that's a great honor from uh, your your home uh, right up the street, but I uh, just saw that the other day and wanted to make sure that Thank you. we gave you recognition for that as well. I, I humbly will say, since this is a lacrosse podcast, I was a better runner than I was a lacrosse player at Loyola, but thank you, thank you very much for the accolades. Good. Well, uh, thanks, congratulations, and, uh, and, and thanks for doing this for us, and yeah. uh, we'll see you next week.